I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Will Republicans retake the Senate in 2014? What will happen in the House? What's the latest in 2016 presidential politics? People who want to stay ahead of the curve in politics turn to our good friends at the Cook Political Report for answers. For more than 30 years, Charlie Cook and his team have nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer calls the report, quote, the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver says few have, quote, a longer track record of success. If you make it your business to know politics, you need to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Head over to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire to sign up today. And now to our conversation. There are two sporting events where the advertisements are watched as closely as the game itself. And we're not talking today about the Super Bowl. We're talking politics. And if you think it's too early in the midterm 2014 season to pay attention to the advertising, well, then you haven't been paying attention. With key battles in multiple states, Senate control in question, and a flood of outside money already in the system, have we gone too far too quickly? At what point do voters turn out the noise? And what trends, placement, tone, frequency might we expect to see from campaigns going forward? Few analyze, think, or write about the political ad space more clearly than Elizabeth Wilner. She's Senior Vice President of Kantar Media Ad Intelligence with oversight of its Campaign Media Analysis Group. She's also Contributing Editor of the Cook Political Report and former Political Director of NBC News. Elizabeth, thanks for joining me. We've hardly just begun the midterm season, and already many states, many voters have been overrun with ads. What's going on? What's going on? And by the way, thank you for that nice introduction. What's going on is mainly that... There are some outside group advertisers who are spending some early money to try and make their point, get their point across, uh, maybe do a little damage to some weak incumbents along the way early enough that the airwaves are not flooded with other ads and voters have not already decided to tune them out. And so let's talk first about the strategy, because that is what what we've heard. Um, and, and then we'll talk about the money and we'll talk about the groups like AFP and, and, you know, where all of this is coming from. But in terms of the strategy, trying to get in early, uh, you know, to do some damage, whether that's, um, you know, on issues or whether that's in a primary race, trying to do some damage. If you're a Democrat trying to, you know, hurt the Republican side of the race or vice versa, strategically, is it the right thing to be going in uh this early with advertising? Well, if you are a group, if you're an outside group advertiser as opposed to a candidate or a party, it pays to advertise early because the amount that you're going to get charged to advertise is only going to increase as the cycle progresses. If you're a candidate, you're trying to save your money for when you really need it, and basically the same for a party. But if you're an outside group like an Americans for Prosperity or a Senate Majority PAC or another group, the rates that you're paying right now to advertise are probably going to be lower than what you'd be paying later in the year. Interesting. So uh, they're, they're getting the, the lower rates, but by doing that, they really are in key races, in key places, putting in, in a heavier volu- volume. Is it earlier? And you wrote about this a little bit the other day in, in Cook Political Report. Is it earlier in the system for this outside money? And, and obviously, there have been you know just a couple of major Supreme Court cases in, in the last couple of years that are freeing up the money. But in terms of timing and the outside money, 
earlier than we've seen it previously, earlier than you would have expected? Or no, Chris, this is exactly what we've seen, exactly what I would have expected, and I really don't know why you're asking me the question. <laughs> no, it, it is indeed earlier. And, you know, in politics, tactics change so quickly. There's so much innovation from cycle to cycle that what we think of as recent history is really very recent. You know, only going back to 2010 have we seen these volumes of advertising, the amount of money pouring into television advertising. Prior to that, we certainly did have non-candidate, non-party organizations such as unions, uh, business groups, other interest groups, you know, paying to advertise, but it really got supersized in 2010 and then again in 2012. So it's really only in the last couple of years when we think of what we're used to seeing modern day political TV advertising modern day basically means the last four years. And am I, and it, yeah, I'm sorry, go on, go ahead. I was just going to say, and it, it is, it has started earlier than ever. And am I overplaying it? I mean, Citizens United and, and then most recently McCutcheon might be a little bit early for um, the effects of McCutcheon. Uh, but, but the Supreme Court rulings and the, you know, kind of blowing up of the dam, you know, that may have been holding back some of the money. Is that what's driving most of it? And, and you know, is then enabling, you know, the Americans for Prosperity or, or Harry Reid's uh, Senate Majority Pack? Um, is it, you know, do the Supreme Court cases, are, are those, you know, really central to this or it goes beyond? It goes beyond. That does account, the Supreme Court case does account for a good part of it. But when you think about some of the biggest names we're familiar with in outside group TV advertising, Crossroads, GPS, even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, those organizations would exist without Citizens United. Of course, the Chamber has been around for many, many years. They would be out there spending enormous amounts of money on television advertising in any case without the Supreme Court case. So all the hype about Citizens United and what it has done to political TV advertising, you know, a lot of the hype is true, but, but not all of it. I would actually venture to say that the Affordable Care Act you know, hasn't had as great a role in, in this inflation that we've seen, but it certainly has had a role because certainly if you look at the vast amounts of money that the chamber spent in 2010 and 2012, you know, that was driven largely by their opposition to the Affordable Care Act. Now you're looking at Americans for Prosperity. You do have to wonder, would they be out there advertising right now if not for the Affordable Care Act? Maybe they would be about some other cause. We don't actually know the answer to the question, but certainly every ad that they've aired has something to do with the Affordable Care Act. So I would I would suggest that as a second cause of what of the the great inflation in volume and spending that we've been seeing for the last few years. And potentially the third cause, and, and this is a question, the, the fact that the Senate control is so tight, uh, you know, that it could really go either way. Um, is that uh, ginning up the, the spend as well? Yes, and you're exactly right. And that's not just the case for 2014. It was the case in 2012 and also in 2010. The, most of the money coming in, you know, you'd think in a presidential year, it's really driven by presidential advertising in terms of what outside groups are doing. But really, the biggest portion of it for the last three cycles has been over the battle for control of the Senate. And in your piece the other day in uh, Cook Political Report, you wrote about how certain markets and states that may be used to seeing big ad money, places like Ohio, um, are down, but that it's simply you know getting redistributed to other markets, places like North Carolina and even Alaska. Is that what we're seeing? Yes, there are many, many parts of the country that are being swamped with political ads right now. 
really didn't see very much by way of political advertising in 2012. It, it's it's quite a redistribution of wealth. You know, Alaska hasn't really seen any presidential advertising. I, I, I couldn't even tell you when the last time that happened. Uh, so in 2012, things were pretty dry up there. But, you know, the Senate race is basically the, the second most active Senate race so far in terms of the volume of political ads people are seeing. And, you know, I'm not a good enough mathematician to figure out sort of what that means in terms of Alaska's sparse population. But, you know, people in Alaska are certainly being hit with a volume of ads that they, they have not seen in many, many years. Yeah, that would be interesting math, you know, amount spent. It's got to be out there. It's got to be, you know, I could probably, uh, you know, do a Google search right now and just find out what the volume, what the amount of spend is per capita in Alaska. But but you're right with the numbers down there. Um, it, it's It's got to be pretty high. You may have seen as well um, the stats, uh, just on this point of the outside money, um, stats the other day uh, from the Wesleyan Media Project, uh, I saw it reported in the Washington Post, that interest groups have sponsored 59% of the television ads so far in the uh, Senate races. It's up from 51% in 2012. And then state by state, you know, North Carolina, 90% of the television ads from interest groups, Louisiana, 85%, Kentucky, 75%. Do you have any sense in terms of the voters? I mean, you know, you you do this for a living. The, the people that I talk to, and I've talked to folks in each of these states recently. You know, obviously they follow this so closely. You know, for a living, do you have any sense that voters themselves are they paying attention to these ads? Are they noticing them, or is are they already starting to get fatigued, or do, is it just kind of noise? It goes in in one ear and out the other. Any sense of how voters are reacting? You'd have to ask a pollster that someone who actually spends their their time talking with the people who are watching the ads as opposed to what I do, which is looking at the ads themselves all day. Again, you know, right now the airways are not as crowded with political advertisements as they will be later in the year. You know, in the presidential year, we did see a, a big burst of presidential advertising early on. It was shaped a bit like a donut hole. There wasn't as much in the summer, and then there was an enormous amount in the fall. In a midterm election year, the trend is really more toward a gradual buildup. Now, of course, we are seeing an unprecedented amount this early, so it makes you sort of wonder how that gradual buildup is just only going to uh, more steeply increase over time. But, you know, voters aren't turning on their TVs and seeing nothing but political spots right now, and that probably works in the favor of of the advertisers. And it it may very well lead to more fatigue earlier, have fatigue set in sooner, uh, primaries also do play a big part in this. There are a number of important primaries in the spring. Uh, but again, I can't speak to how a voter feels, but I'm sure that when they turn on their TV, they're still seeing ads for car dealers and they're still seeing ads for truck dealers. They're still seeing restaurant ads and other ads alongside the political spot. Yeah, and, and you are right. We've uh, had the opportunity to speak with a couple of pollsters recently, and, and what you're saying is is right, particularly around uh, the Affordable Care Act. I mean, really a, a sense that, you know, particularly from the Republican side, um, that's where a lot of the energy is going. And, uh, you know, on the Democratic side trying to, you know, start to focus on um, either, you know, jobs, uh, income, you know, trying to talk about solutions there, um, and, and at times actually trying to cause a little bit of trouble perhaps on the you know, within the Republican primaries, trying to stir up, uh, stir up the pot there. So, so let's talk. While I have you, then let, let's talk qualitatively a little bit about the political ads and and the process and the strategies. First, in in terms of digital, how 
are campaigns, how should campaigns be thinking about connecting what they're doing on television with uh, what they're doing digitally? How do you talk to me about uh, social and, and talk to me about how, you know, what can campaigns be doing? How should they be thinking about their advertisements if what they really want is for somebody to share that ad socially? It's funny. Usually the political advertising space, as I mentioned earlier, you know, really a space for innovation, cutting edge techniques, taking risks on trying new things because they might just give you a magic edge that no one's had before and your opponent won't have. But if you had asked me in 2012 how many ads we saw that used a hashtag or had a URL or had a Facebook icon in them, I would have told you I could probably count them on both hands. It was sort of a stunning dearth of effort to connect um, in that kind of visible way television advertising with social media. We are now seeing many, many more ads that include Twitter hashtags for candidates, URLs for their websites, things like that that try to send people online and try to, in a very rudimentary way, take advantage of this second screening dynamic that really has set in so much more for other types of TV programming and advertising, sporting events, live, you know, big live award shows, things like that. But in this particular space, uh, political advertising has, has lagged quite a bit behind. Does that surprise you? On some level, that surprises me because you're right. You do see, you know, oftentimes real innovation, real advertising innovation, you know, started in the political space. And I, I almost would have expected to hear a little bit more that campaigns are thinking digital first, that they're, you know, thinking first about how is what we will create be shareable online. I mean, you know, I, I, if they don't have a hashtag or a URL or a, a Twitter handle on the ad, I, I mean, even that I would find shocking, but um, surprising to hear that maybe they're not, there's, you're not seeing more digital first thinking, maybe creatively. Am I, am I understanding you correctly? Well, I was only focusing on one aspect of it. So I should certainly note, you know, there are some very creative digital, uh, political, digital media consultants working on campaigns right now. And really, you know, presidential campaigns are fantastic incubators yeah. for people like that. And, you know, the folks who work on the 2012 race are now out there working for important Senate races, key house races, other races. So those tactics are spreading and we are seeing, uh, you know, a rise in business uh, and activity for what you call integrated media strategy firms. Um, the digital folks who worked in 2012 and worked on President Obama's campaign in 2008 who have started these integrated firms that help campaigns really develop a much more integrated strategy. Parties are trying to do more of that. Campaigns are trying to do more of that. There just hasn't been a significant or at least a really visible connection made, or at least sort of had, there hasn't been a, a visible way in which people have figured out how to connect their TV advertising to their digital strategy, at least not that we have seen. I mentioned you know, showing hashtags in your TV ads. In terms of making that connection, that's about as, as visible as it gets. Certainly, there are many, many creative things going on in terms of targeting voters and raising money, which is always, you know, the great the great benefit of digital advertising, raising money, making advertising actionable. You know, all that is certainly happening in the digital space. But connecting that 
to what people see on television, that's just taking a lot longer to figure out. Interesting. And and, and what about tone? Are you seeing any trends or anything that's surprising you in terms of tone so far? Are, are things perhaps more positive than you would expect them to be, more negative than you would expect them to be? It depend, you know, is it kind of race by race or issue by issue? Anything that you're sensing you know, this early in the campaign around the tone of uh, this year's vintage of political advertisements? It is, it is somewhat case by case. Um, nothing has been surprising, but maybe there's a little bit of relief given that I look at all of the ads all day long. Groups are taking care, at least the major groups, the ones who are spending a lot of money, do seem to be taking care to make their negative ads more sympathetic, softer, and to do some positive advertising. We really saw very little of that in 2012. And again, you know, the presidential race was dominated and the ads for that race dominated. There were also you know, overwhelmingly negative ads in the Senate races. It does seem that some of those advertisers have, you know, learned a few things since and applied them to their advertising in 2014. So not just all the advertising hammering a particular candidate, but I think also because of what happened with Governor Romney and how little positive advertising was done for him, you know, some of these groups are taking care to run positive ads that bolsters the candidates they're actually supporting in addition to the negative ads that attack the candidates they're opposing. And any ads that stand out in your mind, and perhaps they're ones that, you know, you, you may have worked on or, or colleagues may have worked on, but any ads that are standing out in your mind of, you know, really e- either effective or, you know, creative or, you know, innovative, just, just something that you think that uh, – um, folks ought to be paying attention to. And, and I should add, I guess, if it is one that you've worked on, uh, you know, or, or your colleagues, um, maybe just note that out of fairness. But but it's, you know, perfectly fine if, uh, you know, the ad that you're touting is one that, you know, you're personally proud of. <laughs> well, th- thank you for that. We actually just track the advertising. We yeah. don't make ads. We have no input whatsoever into anyone's ads. Um, CMAG just tracks what activity there is in political advertising. We are nonpartisan and we, you know, we have a system that tracks television advertising in all 210 media markets, including on national broadcast and national cable. So all we do is follow what other people do with their ads. Um, but thank you for, for giving me the chance to, to make that, that, put that caveat out there. So it stands to reason, it's really common sense that if you want someone to pay attention to your ad, you don't want to you don't really want to scare them away from it. And again, getting back to what people seem to have learned between 2012 and 2014, there are a lot of negative ads out there that are more focused on telling a story that feature more sympathetic figures. Um, You know, I give Americans for Prosperity a shout out. They've done a number of ads where women are talking to camera in a very sympathetic way about how they have lost their health insurance, their families lost their health insurance, or they're afraid of losing their health insurance. A lot of real people storytelling. And they're not the only ones. American Crossroads, which you know produced many, many of the negative ads that we saw in 2012, they also have done some, some positive advertising. But I think a lot of these advertisers have learned from 2012 and the ads that seemed to be most effective then, uh, which were really the Priorities USA ads featuring the folks who were talking about being victimized by Bank Capital. A lot of people have borrowed that page from the playbook, and there's a lot more sort of real people storytelling taking place in ads now. And those kinds of ads are 
less likely to be sort of painful on the ears, painful on the eyes, you know, drive people away from the TV, people might be more likely to actually watch them. And how closely do you feel is that trending with advertising more broadly? You know, I don't know to what extent you follow. I mean, maybe just a hobby for you to follow advertising more broadly. But is that kind of human, you know, humanizing and the storytelling and in almost the once upon a time? Are, are you seeing that as unique to these political ads, particularly in cases where maybe uh, candidates are needing to introduce themselves to voters? Or are you seeing that as in sync with, you know, overall advertising trends and, and what any corporation, any good corporation kind of should be doing right now? It's difficult to say because it's early in the cycle and this is the time when candidates are introducing themselves, you know. Many of the spots you would see from candidates if, if you were watching TV right now, and of course, I realize no one's looking at all the ads. We have sort of a unique and <laughs> except for uh, you, sad, yeah. <laughs> sad little perch, I guess some people might say. Uh, no one's watching everything that's on the air in America right now, except for those of us at, at CMAG. But it is the time for candidates to be introducing themselves, whether they're in an early, pri- relatively early primary, or they're just getting started on a long general election fight. We do see a lot of ads that show a lot of family members, a lot of kids, a lot of spouses, you know, a strange number of pregnant spouses. I've, I've, I've noticed there seems to be a little bit of a baby boom going on among political candidates these days, uh, but a lot of family members in the kitchen, you know, making jokes about their dad, the candidate, or the wife talking very passionately about, you know, how her husband feels about public service, or the candidate himself or herself talking about her background and why her background has driven her or driven him to to seek public office. There is a lot of that going on. Okay. And and just to close out, give me give me a bit of a look forward and, and your expectation as the you know, as these campaigns really heat up as we get out of the primary season, you know, into the you know, into the main campaign season, main election season, um, in terms of tone in terms of positive versus negative in terms of the flow of the outside money in terms of the you know harshness versus needing what are you expecting both kind of qualitatively and maybe in terms of where you think this money is going to go do you think we're as some of these races you know really we understand which ones are going to be key to senate control do you expect to see you know the the money to really flow in there just look a little bit into the crystal ball and uh what what do you what what trends do you foresee uh, as the election season goes on there are a couple of interesting primaries where the outcome of the primary will will factor into what the powers that be decide, you know, whether a race is going to truly be competitive or not. Um, you know, you, you have the Kentucky Senate primary for Mitch McConnell coming up, uh, a couple other primaries like that, the, the primary Senator Thad Cochran is in, uh, in Mississippi. So there will be some primaries that prove to be decisive. You know, you're seeing ad spending there now, but you may not see much after that uh, if the most competitive candidate winds up walking out of the primary, or you could see the opposite. So, we may be looking at a bit of a donut hole again in terms of a relatively quiet summer and then things ramping up again in the fall. You know, unfortunately, I think that the the burst of political advertising, if you could call it that, probably will fade pretty quickly and it will pretty much be all negative from the summer into into the fall. And that will be the case for even for the outside groups that have taken pains to do some positive advertising lately. Uh, I think things will be pretty much as usual in terms of 
sort of what people are seeing and how people get, get swamped with ads. We get asked a lot whether viewers notice whether an ad is by an outside advertiser or a candidate or a party. The fact is that there's so much repetition in ads in advertising. Uh, you know, if there's a particularly choice piece of opposition research that a group might be using or a candidate might be using, you know, it winds up getting echoed in all the ads. So you really don't even have to squint very hard to be watching TV, seeing ads by all these different advertisers and think that they're really all by the same people. Um, so the, the notion that outside advertisers coming into our state and trying to tell you how to vote for or against this particular lawmaker, it'll be interesting to see where that message works and where it, it doesn't work. Generally, people just get so deluged with political ads that you know, they wind up being tired of everybody by the time it's all over. And then we get to talk about 2016 once uh, once that's complete. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Although that doesn't seem to be stopping people from talking about it now. No, 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 it, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that we will look to talk to you about 2016 and we'll talk, look to talk to you about uh, 2014 as well. Uh, I'm certain before this uh, campaign is over. Elizabeth Wilner is Senior Vice President of Cantar Media Ad Intelligence. She oversees their Campaign Media Analysis Group, uh, which I guess you affectionately call CMAG. She's also contributing editor of the Cook Political Report. Elizabeth, thanks so much for your time. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.